missing, we're going to hear the name Gabriel. <coughs> so you know that at least some of the angels had names. But we do know there's another name for some of the angels, and that's Harold. Hark <laughs> the Herald angels sing. Those of you that didn't bother to laugh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Just walked into it. And I heard it. So we turn to Luke, the first chapter. Mary is an interesting individual because before she is visited by an angel, we know nothing. We know she lived in Nazareth. We know she must have been an extraordinary individual. We can tell you she was young. We can tell you she was a virgin, that she was betrothed, and she was favored by God. Now, Nazareth is not the kind of place that you really talk about very often. I guess we could spend our time talking about Kalwa. Even in Fresno, not many people know where Kalwa is, or why it's named Kalwa. It doesn't make it a bad place, it just means that nobody knows a blessed thing about it, and Nazareth was in the hill country above Galilee. We know that it had a wonderful cliff. Why? Because they tried to push Jesus off of it. We know that there weren't many people that believed in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus could do no miracles there. Because there were not many know that Nazareth did not have a good reputation. How do we know that? Because there was this disciple when he heard that Jesus was from Nazareth said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's how I used to think about Fresno in the olden days. I dated a woman who was here in Fresno before I ever met Mila and on occasion, I would come here to visit my folks living in Hanford, and I would see Marilyn, who was living in Fresno, and say we wanted to go to Yosemite. You remember those terrible days when to get to Yosemite, you had to drive up Blackstone Avenue and stop at every signal that was timed just exactly right, so that you could not get more than one signal green. I thought Fresno was one of the stupidest towns on the face of the earth. And who would want to live in Fresno? We do. We've become accustomed to Fresno. We like Fresno. It's not nearly as dumb as we thought it was. But in the time of Jesus, everybody knew that Nazareth was podunk. It was hick town. Nothing good came out of Nazareth. Mary was biblically literate, as we will see a little bit later in the reading of the text. She trusted God. 
In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what kind of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. From, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. The word of the Lord. Mary understands that she's going to give birth to the Messiah. She doesn't understand everything that's involved. 
she does not yet understand that her son is born to die. Notice the angel doesn't tell her any of that. He just says, you're going to conceive in your womb, you're going to name the child Jesus, which means God saves. This is the foretaste of next week's sermon. God saves. Mary rejoices. Mary says, let it be to me according to your word. How is this going to happen? And the angel gives her a great and mighty explanation. The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Thanks, angel. Do you have any more details than that? No. And in fact, the Christian church and many non-Christians have argued since that time, how does this happen? And the Bible gives us the full and complete answer. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Power of the Most High will overshadow you. What else do you need to know? Do you think you're going to be able to figure out how God brought this about? Not any more than I can figure out how Jesus was fully human, fully divine. The Bible teaches it. The Bible proclaims it. I accept it as true. That's got to be enough because there's some stuff I just don't get. It makes no sense to me. It makes no more sense to me than the very biblical doctrine that while we were still enemies, God sent his son to the world to die for his enemies. That makes no sense to me either. I want my enemies to die. If I had my way, if David had his way in the Psalms, that's exactly what would happen. But God says, no. While they were still enemies, he sends his son into the world to save the enemies. All Mary understood was that she would give birth to the Messiah. Now Mary worries about Jesus at times. If you want to see a very Jewish mother, that's Mary. Mary and Joseph lose Jesus for three days. I love the story. I think it's a great story. They're on their way home. They're on their way back to Nazareth. And lo and behold, Jesus is not with his friends. He's not with anybody. They don't know where he is. Can you imagine going back to Jerusalem and the whole time you're thinking, oh, what's God going to say to me now? I just lost his son. <laughs> and they go up to Mary and they say, or they go up to Jesus and they say, what are you doing? Where have you been? Jesus says, didn't you know I should be about my father's business? Well, frankly, if I'm Mary, I'm going to whack the kid upside the head. But Mary understands and then it says Jesus went home with them and submitted to them. Well, there's a time in his life that Mary hears that Jesus is not getting enough to eat. So what does she do? She and the boys go to 
forget Jesus. Any good Jewish mother is going to worry when the kid is not eating enough. I don't care whether he's an adult or whether he's a kid. Because, you know, you walk in the door, what do your parents say? Hey, you want something to eat? Oh, I just made some cookies. Oh, there's some leftover spaghetti in the refrigerator. Come on and eat. Come on and eat. There's some food for you. We always feel better when there's eating. And Jesus is not eating. And they're getting a little worried about him. So they go to get him. Strangely enough, Jesus won't. Mary worries about her son. Now after the resurrection, Mary completely understands who Jesus is. And we see Jesus ascending into heaven, and the next scene that we see, Mary is with the disciples gathered in the upper room to pray. They recognize who she is and what a special person she is. Mary is present when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church and brings the church into existence on the day of Pentecost. It's always a good sign when your mother can say, yeah, he's the Messiah. He's not just a good kid. He's the Messiah. And it's also a good sign when your brothers can say, yeah, he's the Messiah. We know that at least a couple of them did. Mary is an extraordinary woman. So what can we learn from her story? Here's the truth of the matter. Mary was a pretty ordinary young woman. We have to read into the story to understand that she's an extraordinary young woman. Otherwise, she is just a young girl 14, 15 years old, living in Podunk, engaged to a guy who seems to be a really nice guy, waiting to get married. But then when the angel shows up on the scene, we begin to understand that she is more than just ordinary. And that tells us that God can use people that would otherwise be considered ordinary to do extraordinary things. So you prepare your list of talents, a list of things that you know you're good at, and you say, I think I got two. One of them is a little doubtful, but I think I've got two. I'm way too ordinary for God to use me. I mean, after all, where do I live? Fresno. Could be worse. You could live in Nazareth. And God used an otherwise ordinary young woman who was devoted to him. And did remarkable things. Why? Because she was devoted to him. And God do it. Can you imagine what the neighbors had to say? Yeah, she's truly devoted to him, isn't she? We see the baby bump. Can you imagine what her parents had to say? We already know what Joseph had to say. We'll read about that next week. And she had to endure all that stuff with grace. She trusted God even when she did not understand the details of what was going to happen to her. 
Remember the story of Gideon? When Gideon is called by the Lord and told you're going to go and deliver my people, and Gideon says, not me. I think it was just a bit of bad beef. I don't think you're really God talking to me. So God, tell you what, here's some fleece, make it wet. Here's some fleece, make it dry. I've got to know. Give me a sign. And Mary goes, okay, angel, I'll submit the Lord. I am his servant. There is no way she can understand what's going to happen. The angel doesn't tell her. Can you imagine how rough it would have been if the angel had said to her, oh, and by the way, this kid that you're going to give birth to, the son of God, the king of the world, he's going to die. Well, I can't imagine that. So she just placed her trust in God even when she did not know the details of what was going to happen. And as we read from Luke, the first chapter, you will see that Mary rejoices that the Messiah is going to come. She's been away from home for a little while, and she stays away from home for several months, but she knows that when she gets back home, there are going to be some accusations. Oh, Mary, what were you doing? Well, it wasn't me. It was the Holy Spirit. I'm still a virgin. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe that story. I wonder how many young women have tried to tell that story since that day. She put her service to God before worrying about herself. And that's an incredible character trait. I think back to the story of a missionary in India. He labored for years and years and years and despaired because he knew that no one, no one had come to Jesus. Years of preaching the gospel, not a word. And then, in the middle of his despair, somebody came and told him about people in this village and that village and that village who had become disciples of Jesus, and they had made disciples. If you remember that video from a number of years ago of the man in Australia who handed out gospel tracts, and he knew that nothing had come of it until he began to hear stories of people who had received the gospel tract and then had committed their lives to Jesus and had discipled other disciples who made disciples who made disciples. And thousands of people came to the Lord because they just persevered in what they were called to do. Mary put her service to God above herself. She wasn't thinking about how famous she might be. She wasn't thinking about how sad she might be. All she thought about was, the Lord wants this. I'll do it. 
Think of the example that she sets for Jesus. Jesus grows up in a household of a selfless mother who exhibits in her life the trait what God asked me to do, I'll do. Her example must have been a stalwart example in the life of Jesus. So this little boy growing up gets to see what it means to be a follower of God. I love the picture at the end of the life of Jesus. Jesus is on the cross, and who's there? Mom. Mom is standing at the foot of the cross. She was there when her son was born. She is going to be there when her son Jesus looks at his mother. He thinks about the future. He's the oldest son. His job is to care for the mother who had cared for him. Woman, behold your son. He's not asking her to look at him. He's asking her to look at John who's standing beside her. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. He had seen the selfless example of Mary exhibited over and over in her life. Yeah, she gets some stuff wrong. She doesn't always have it all figured out. And that's okay because Jesus is okay with it. But he can say to her, here's the man who's going to care for you. Because in moments, I won't be able to. Now she understands the fullness of what God had called her to do. But notice that God carefully shelters her so that when the time comes, she can endure the unendurable because she trusts in God. Let's pray. Father, what a wonderful example we see in Jesus, Theotokos, God-bearer. For she bore your Son, fully human, fully divine, gave birth to the Savior of the world, the Savior who would save even his mother. May we, like Mary, say, Lord, do to us what you will. We are your servants. We just wish to honor you. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. tell us that on the night that he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this as often as you eat it, remembering me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup. 
Again he gave thanks. He gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink from this, all of you. This cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for you and for many to the remission of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, remembering me. Father, thank you for what you have done. We were your enemies, and still you loved us. We were separated from you, lost, and you sent your Son to the world that whoever believes in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. We rejoice in what you have done, and we thank you. So now as we take of the bread and as we take of the cup, may we know the presence of our Lord Jesus, who came to give us life. We praise you in his name.